Um, I'm really excited to share the word with you. I just have a few minutes with you today, so we're going to get right to it. If you want to stand for the reading of the word. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1 and John chapter 1. The kind of introductions to two different gospel accounts. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now if you'll turn to John chapter 1, another gospel account. We're going to start reading chapter 1, verse 9. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God. That's good news. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. You may be seated. And as you sit down, would you join me in prayer this morning? Afternoon, by 10 minutes. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you that even on a day like today where we celebrate with things like kids programs and fun songs, God, that you are the center of it all. We thank you that the word became flesh. And we pray that similarly, that your word would come alive to us today, that our hearts would be wide open to receive how you would desire to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you um, who I've got to build some relationship with, which I hope in the future is a lot more of you, um, you might know that Christmas is my favorite time of the year. You might even call me a Christmas fiend or a Christmas junkie. Um, for me, the day is November 1st, and I know that you guys might have some strong opinions on that. But I just want to make a pitch real quick for November 1st being the day for Christmas music, Christmas movies, and even Christmas decorations. October 31st, darkness. <laughs> November 1st, the light has come. I'm just saying. 
I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, we believe that God owns all the days, right? October 31st is actually All Saints Day, which, so we own that day. Darkness doesn't, darkness doesn't actually own anything. It only twists and perverts. But that being said, November 1st is still the day. <laughs> still the day. Now, as I've gotten older, um, I think that my favorite part of Christmas, what it's actually become, or one of my favorite parts, is that the whole world for just a moment, sings about Jesus. And for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm pretty into music. Singing and, and music are important to me. And this idea that all these voices from around the world, even ones that would stand in contradiction to the teachings of the Bible for all the rest of the year, would put all that garbage on pause and they would sing about our King. It's a wild phenomenon that happens. I, I still can't believe it every year, even in 2021. People are still singing about Jesus, who don't sing about him any other time of the year. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, what child is this? All of a sudden, O come, O come, Emmanuel. All of a sudden, silent night. All of a sudden, O holy night. Songs about our king, sung by all these voices. But also, as I've gotten older, I've recognized that even though I enjoy Christmas on my own volition, I don't really feel any pressure to enjoy it. It's just wonderful to me, that there's a lot of cultural pressure that happens during this time, pushed by advertising, pushed even by the music and the movies that I love. It's like every commercial, you'll be happier and have a more warm, fuzzy time if you spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Or make sure that Christmas is extra, extra, extra special because if it's not, you failed during this season. And I've also recognized that in the midst of all this pressure, Christmas is not everyone's favorite time. So I just want to give you a nod in this room, even though it is my favorite time. I want to give you a nod to all those people who are looking at me right now and being like, Seth, good for stinking you. <laughs> I hear you. And it's okay. Because for a lot of people, Christmas represents a time of, uh, of unmet expectations. It represents a time of loneliness. Maybe Christmas time is, is where it becomes most poignant to, to you, the memory of a lost friend or a lost family member, because you get together for that Christmas gathering and all of a sudden that, that seat is empty at the table. So I recognize that. I, I recognize that for some, Christmas time is even marked by anxiety and depression. I get it. And, and, and I get that for some, this is a really, really hard time. And so I don't want to be insensitive to that, even in, in the midst of it being my favorite time. It's okay if it's not your favorite time. But all that being said, whatever your opinions or your feelings are on Christmas, for the people of God, the Christmas season is much deeper than a warm feeling that we may or may not experience. I hope that you can grasp that. Can you grasp that for a minute? That the Christmas season is much deeper than a warm feeling that we may or may not experience. Now, why is that? For, because for us, even though we are a people of the crucifixion, right? We're a people of the crucifixion. We're a people of the crucified God. We are a people of the resurrection, of the resurrected Christ, pointing to our resurrection. We are also a people of the incarnation. That moment when God became man. When he became not only God in spirit, but God incarnate in the form of a human child. Now, Although we maintain, yes, 
that Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that day when Jesus rose from the grave, we all hold to that being the greatest day in history, amen? But that being said, I would present to you today that the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, is the turning point in the story of humanity. It's not the prequel to the gospel. It's not the prelude, the kind of like introductory part of the gospel. The incarnation is the heart of the gospel. It's the very essence of the gospel. Seth, why would you make that claim? For me, the gospel has always just been about the cross and about the resurrection. I get that. Yes, the Passion Week is a very important part of the gospel, probably the most important. But in the incarnation, we see this picture that Isaiah presented it to us, and then later Matthew recalls in the passage that I just read. It was his name, Emmanuel, God with us. Why is Emmanuel, the concept of Emmanuel, the heart of the gospel? Well, you see, Emmanuel came, the idea of Emmanuel came way before Isaiah prophesied about it. Far, long before Jesus was born. No, Emmanuel began in the garden when God first walked with humankind. Did you know that? Did you know that God walked with humankind in the garden? Now, this was a time before we had withheld our trust from him. Do you know that that's what happened in the garden? We withheld our trust from him and we bought into a lie that said it would be better for us to chase autonomy. It would be better for us to chase the knowledge of good and of evil for ourselves to become our own rulers, to become our own kings. Does that sound familiar to you? (laughs) To become the definer of our own identities. We withheld that trust and we said, I want it my way. And because of that, we fell into a state of brokenness because we didn't lean in and trust that God was good. He said, look, look. You know his first command was not to to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. His first command was go be fruitful, multiply. His first command was a positive. It was I like you guys, let's make more. (laughs) It wasn't no, 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 it was yes, yes, yes. And all the married people said yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And only the married people, in Jesus' name. (laughs) The, The birth of Jesus, our Emmanuel, was in many ways you could look at it as God was saying in actions louder than any words could ever say, I simply will not be content to be separate from you. That's what he said when he sent his son. But by the way, he sent his son, but did you know that when he sent his son, he also sent himself? Did you know that we serve a triune God three in one? That it wasn't just a sacrifice of his most beloved thing as it were. It was a sacrifice of himself. He gave himself for us. And by the way, there's nothing greater that God could give us than himself. It's his best offer. And it's actually the best offer that any being could ever give another being. And this is even better news. God's presence is not a means to an end. 
He didn't become Emmanuel to us just in order to accomplish a cosmic mission. That was part of it. But him being with us actually is the end. Okay, Seth, prove it, because I don't, I don't really feel that. Okay, if you'll turn with me to the very end of the Bible. To the very end of the Bible, the Apostle John is given a vision, and he recalls in Revelation 21 this vision of a new heaven and new earth. And what is the terminology that is used at the very end of the story? Starting in verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Are you catching this? This is the end of the Bible. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. It's what he wants. It's what he's always wanted. And it's what he's going to get in the end. God with us. Now for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus as Lord and as Savior. And I have to pause right there because if the terms Lord and Savior ever become a tradition to you, we need to be reawakened. What does it mean? Jesus as Lord, he's king, he's the boss, he calls the shots, we obey, we submit, his way or the highway. Did you know that? It's not just like Lord, like, oh, he's my, he's my nice guy. He's my guy who does nice things for me. No, he's your king. And also, Savior. He's our only hope. He's the one who pulled us from the muck and the mire. He's the one who redeemed us from sin. He's the one who bought us. He's the one who snatched us out of hell's grasps. He's the one who makes it so that we can experience eternal life. He is our Savior. Don't let those terms ever become something that roll. Have you, just, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Don't ever let that roll off your tongue without meaning something to you. Now, for those of us who have received him by faith, this idea of Emmanuel should not be news to us, but perhaps it is time that we let this truth inform the way that we approach the Christmas season. What do I mean by that? Many of us are headed into Christmas celebrations where we're feeling apprehensive about those times. Now, why would we feel apprehensive? Because if, are, can we be real in church? Hey, can I just invite you into something? Church can be fun, and you don't have to scowl at me. I, you can. I'm going to keep preaching either way, but it would be more fun for both of us if we could have kind of a joyful interaction. Anyway, we're going to be real in church. Many of us are feeling apprehensive about our, Chris, our Christmas gatherings, possibly because some of the people who are going to be there, frankly, bother us. And you're like, oh my gosh, Seth, you're anti-family. I'm not anti-family. I'm just trying to admit the reality that his extended family goes to extended family goes to extended family. We might feel a bit annoyed by some of them. That's just a reality, okay? That's just a reality. Now, in the midst of all the pressure to enjoy our time, that presents a conflict. Or how about another situation? We know that there's someone in our life who doesn't have anyone to spend Christmas with. Oh, Seth, don't you step in that territory. 
Don't you step in that tour. We know that there's someone in our life who doesn't have anyone to spend Christmas with, but we're concerned about inviting them into our experience because what if they impact the dynamics of my cozy, nice, ideal Christmas feelings? Heaven forbid that your Christmas experience is encroached upon by another human being. These are real things. But I, what I would just present to you is just an invitation, and me too, because there are some gatherings that I'm headed to this week that I feel a little bit apprehensive about. Is that, is that okay for me to say? Yeah. Me. Like, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do some of the relational connections. Yeah. I want to, and I'm going to do my darndest, but I'm not feeling 100% confident about some of them. Is anyone with me? Come on. You're making me feel like a turd right now. You're looking at me like that sinner up on stage. Not, he is not reconciled to everyone in his family. Come on, give me a break, church. Give me a break. But this is my invitation to you and to me, both of us alike. What if we took an example of the way that God acted on Christmas Day? What did he do? He gave himself as the greatest gift to the situation. What if instead of being obsessed with cultivating this wonderful Christmas experience and feeling, what if we brought ourselves to these gatherings that we're feeling apprehensive about, and maybe our apprehension might die down a little bit if we stop obsessing about ourselves. If we start obsessing about, how is this going to impact my Christmas time? I deserve a happy Christmas. And we came in with the approach and said, regardless of how any of these people make me feel, regardless of how maybe some of them have treated me in the past, I'm going to be a gift to them this Christmas time. What if the best way to honor the spirit of Christmas, the best way to honor what God has done is to bring your best gift, which is your unmitigated, undivided, undistracted, fully engaged, open-hearted presence. E-N-C-E, not E-N-T-S. What if that is the way? What if that was what God was trying to show us, part of what he was trying to show us with the incarnation all along? He said, I have come to be with you. Will you not be with others? You know how you can be with someone, but you're not all the way with them? You know how some people can be with you, but you don't really feel like they're with you? What if part of the invitation is, hey, I am Emmanuel. God says, I am Emmanuel. How about you follow suit? How about you follow suit? Everyone believes we're supposed to follow Jesus. What if we followed him right into being truly present with other people, even the ones that annoy the crud out of us? That's my invitation to you. I only have one point in the sermon. I only have one point in the sermon. Now, for those of you who maybe you can't say that you put your faith in Jesus in this way, first of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. We serve a God who leaves the 99 to find the one. And I'm so excited about all the 99 who are here today. You guys are my peeps. But I am primarily 
My heart is primarily for the one right in this moment, right now, because Jesus' heart is for the one. And so if you're here in this place today, my prayer for you is that the story of God being with us, of God giving himself to us, would speak to your heart. And that you would receive his invitation to you today to be with him. By the way, he's with you. But will you be with him? Will you actively and intentionally choose to be with him? That's my question to you. I love, I love how the, the Christmas play says it. April, you did so good with this part. I mean, you did good with all of it, but I especially love this part. Near the end, it says this. And that's why on Christmas, we always remember and celebrate on the 25th of December. No matter the details, date, season, or name, we can still celebrate the reason he came. It's not for the presents. It's not for the presents, the lights, or the tree, but Jesus' love for you and for me. God came as a baby. We know this is true because he wanted to have a deep closeness with you. He wanted to have a deep closeness with you. That's my point. Will you stand with me? He wanted to have a deep closeness with you. And by the way, he proved it. He proved it by coming to earth in human form. And this is the other part of the gospel that I referred to earlier, that we are a people of the crucifixion and the resurrection. He came to earth and he died in order to pay for all of our wrongdoing. Here in the church, we call that sin. All of our evil, all of our rebellion, all of our wrong. Not only did he die, though, this is the good part. Paul says it's really important. On the third day, he rose again. On the third day, he rose again. And we're excited that Jesus rose again, but we're also excited because his res resurrection points to our resurrection. That each one of us, each one of us is going to pass away one day. But because of what Jesus has done, for those who put our faith in Jesus as our king and our only hope, we are going to live again. We are going to live again and we are going to live for all of eternity in his presence. We will be with him perfectly forever. But that is an if and only if situation, friends. I hate to break it to you. It's an if and only if situation. Jesus said the only way to the Father is through me. The only way that we will experience the resurrection and eternal life is if we put our faith, our trust, and our hope in Jesus.